Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. I wondered if I was going to make a, a bunch of people mad at me today with what I have to share. So I just prayed and asked God to speak to you. So if what I say is crazy, you won't remember it. Um, the Word of God says in Isaiah that his word doesn't go away empty. So if he were to speak, it would, it would, it would sit in your heart and you'd think about it for a while. And then ultimately it would begin to do something in you. And so this morning what I'm sharing on is some of our growth opportunities that we have at the river. If you haven't jumped online to the river.info slash grow and engaged our tool by first doing the assessment and then getting your results and jumping into some growth opportunities, I would encourage you to do so. Um, You don't have to, but we as a body, you know, want to be in a growth process together. And so for me, this is not about how many hits we get on a website or how many people take it because I could just email all my Facebook friends I have like a thousand of them. I don't think I have a thousand real friends. I have a thousand Facebook friends. I, I could email them all and ask them, you know, hey, could you take this thing so that I could look like I'm doing my job? And I'm sure they would. We're not really concerned so much with the hits. We would like our community to engage this, this tool together. And today I'm going to talk to you about the growth opportunities. And if you go to that same site and you scroll down to where it says values, you can view these things and you'll see... Um, go, know, and grow. And those are the different opportunities. Go is community. Know Mm -hmm. is kind of resource-based. And then grow is your lifestyle and how you can make changes in your lifestyle. And so I'm going to start with community, and I'm going to move into resources, and then I'm going to move into lifestyle. In other words, I'm going to start with this huge pile of locks that I made. It's like 40 pounds. Tell your kids to come play with it after I'm done, like they did the bunnies last week. And I'm going to move to these suitcases. Then we're going to come over to this beautiful fern. I didn't know what a fern was until Dory brought it and set it on the stage. This is a fern, if you don't know. So Jesus introduces this awesome idea of community with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. And he says, I'm giving you this bread and this wine to remember me by and to share with others. And every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And this powerful moment of community happens. You guys following me? And so the early disciples pick up on this. And in Acts 2... This is what we read. I think it's awesome, and I think we have a lot to learn from it. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, here's what they did after Jesus had given them this command. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to getting together, and to the breaking of bread, like Jesus had commanded, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They majored on the majors, and they didn't really major on the minors. 
selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. We do a pretty good job at the first part of that. But then there's this little verse at the end, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want to take a moment, I want to share with you how this played out, how some scholars teach that this played out. There was this thing in Rome in the area where the Caesar ruled the world, and it was said, Caesar is Lord, and only by the hand of Caesar will you live or will you die, or it is Caesar who gives you bread, and everyone has spoke this language in the world that Caesar was Lord. But Jesus had come, and he had challenged that structure, and he had even said, I am the bread of life. He had said, if you, you know, I, I, I am <laughs> When, when everyone kind of fell back, when they said, we're looking for Jesus, we're ready to crucify him, where is he? And he said, I am, I am he, and they all fell back. He was challenging Caesar, and then he does this big communion exercise with his disciples, and so they started this thing called an agape feast. Some biblical scholars teach on this agape feast, and what would happen is in the culture of Rome where Caesar ruled the world, these people would meet together regularly and they would do all the things that I just read. They would eat together. But before they would eat together, they would go out and they would invite their friends, their unbelieving friends who didn't know this Jesus and this kingdom of God thing to come and experience this community with them. And so they would go out and they would bring a friend along. And this friend is someone who had never experienced this before. And when they got all, everyone got into the same room, everyone would say, okay, we're going to eat together. But before we eat together, is there anyone in this community that has any needs? Is there anyone that still owes rent? Is there anyone that doesn't have enough food? Is there anyone who has a physical need? And, 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 and they, would, they would take care of each other. If a hand went up, they would say, yeah, I have this going on. Okay, let, let's sell some possessions. Let's, let's, let's work together so we can be a community that loves one another and let's take care of each other. And they would take care of each other and they would love each other really, really well. And this new person who had only a worldview of the concept of Caesar being Lord and the one who is supposed to be taking care of them and at the same time would send horses in and just kind of kill people at random just to prove his power, these people would then see a different community and the way that they loved each other and they would kind of scratch their head and go, huh, that's different than my worldview. And then they would eat together and they would share a meal and then on the walk home, the person who had invited their friend would say, hey, what'd you think? What'd you, what'd you think of what happened? And sometimes the new person, the unbeliever would say, that was really different. The, the kingdom, like how you guys are operating is different than how everyone in Rome operates, how everyone in Italy operates. It's just different. And then the person who invited them would be able to say, well, we believe 
that this Jesus, who you may or may not have heard about, who came and died, gave us a new kingdom. And we operate in this kingdom together, and this kingdom is filled with love, and we take care of each other, and we love each other well. And it's very different than the kingdom that the rest of the world lives in. And the person would go, huh. And then many times they would say, I think I want to be part of that kingdom. Can I come again? And it would grow when we read this really profound verse that I don't think many uh, North American churches experience that, that they did in Acts. And it says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They would meet in the temple and worship together. And then they would meet in homes and worship together and eat together. And the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. And so John writes in John 13, 35, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are Jesus' disciples by the way you love each other. And I think the church, I think you and I, we read that verse and we go, man, that's it. That's, that's how we change the world. We love each other well. But there's some unsaid things that need to happen. <laughs> they will know, they, the unbelieving crowd, the Romans, the people embraced in, in different worldviews than the worldview that you're taught about Jesus and that the people who embraced this agape feast were taught about Jesus, they will only know that your worldview is different if they have the opportunity to see that your worldview is different. Which means you have to do one of two things. You have to place your community in a place where you're loving each other that is visible to the outside world, or you have to go and recruit people who are unbelievers, who don't have that worldview yet, to come and be part of your community. Are you following me thus far? I haven't gotten angry yet, I may in a minute. Others have to see this love which means you either have to be strategically placed somewhere with your community that's loving each other well, or you have to go and recruit people to come to your community. Dan agrees, and those babies agree. <laughs> Everyone else is like, hold on a second, Rod. I want to argue with you. So we can argue in a second, but it's going to be very one-sided because I'm the only one that gets to talk. Corey is our new student pastor. I'm inviting him up, and he's going to cast some vision for Alive and Free, and then I want to explain what he said after he says it. Go ahead, Corey. I love this, um, this approach concerning the come and see aspect of, of ministry where we, we get people to come and look at our worldview and have an understanding of our community and what God is doing in our community. And so uh, for the youth, ministry and student ministry, uh, my heart and my desire is that you guys will go to your friends and that you would be the example that they need. That they can see the, the way that you live, the way that you love God, the way that you express God's love is, is valid and, and um, vital 
for their success and for their, their life. And the, that the passions that you guys have um, would resonate with them. And I told you guys last week, those who were there, that you guys matter. You guys matter and you guys belong. And so parents, this is the challenge for you is so that you can get your child here on a Sunday night so that they can understand and know that they're worth God's time, that they're worth our time, and so that they can be all that God has called them to be. Uh, for us to know that we as God's people matter and that we are important to him. And so that aspect of, of inviting a person to come and, and just take a look at our community is so, so important. And so my desire for us as a, a ministry is that we will begin to engage with people on the outside and so that we can bring them on the inside. That was really good. I want to make sure you heard what Corey said. We want to go... We want to send our students to their schools. We want to send our students to the streets and the gutters of their schools. We want our students to find the most uncool kid in that school. And we want our students to say, hey, come put on a sumo suit with me. And run as hard as you can into someone else. And then have some pizza with us. And then... Let's be friends. And we want that uncool kid who smells a little bit, who's a little crazy at youth group, who's kind of hard to contain, who even maybe you have to match a mentor with them just to, just to keep them in order, to sit there and to go, whoa, hold on, wait a second. That community that I just was recruited to is different than the community I experience at school. I, I get made fun of over here. I get told I'm less than. I get told my teeth aren't straight. I get told I smell. I get called all kinds of names. But when I come here, I get to put on a sumo suit without anyone telling me I'm going to make it smell bad. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. Praise God for sumo suits. I get to hear someone look me in the eye and say, you know what, you may hear everywhere in the world that you don't matter. You may hear it at home. You may hear it when you go to sleep at night at the mission from all of your friends at school who know that you're staying at the mission. Or you, you, may, you may live in a home that totally looks fine from the outside, but when you come to our community, we are going to communicate a love that is very different than anything you have ever imagined. That's what community was designed for in the gospel. I love it when I say things and people clap. It makes me want to keep saying the same thing over and over again. But much of the time, church, thank you, Dan, much of the time, church does not look like what Corey just explained. Here is what church looks like much of the time. 
Church looks like churched people coming to church asking churchy questions about what the church has to offer them or their kids or their family. Is the youth group cool? What kind of men's ministry do you offer? And this creates a culture that causes the churches of this nation to tailor to church people. We have a better nursery than they have. We have a better kids ministry than they have. We have a better youth ministry than they have. We have a great men's ministry. Come churched people. Come churched people. Come to our church because we answer your churchy questions. Here's why I know that to be true. Because unchurched people who have never been inside of a church, who have never seen a nursery, who don't know what a men's ministry is about, who have no idea if a youth group is cool or not or what a youth group is supposed to be are not asking those questions and they're not evaluating those things using the same metrics. They're asking one question. I heard that God loved people and I heard that if I go to church, I'm going to find people who will share the love of God with me. Unchurched people don't walk into church and say, is the nursery cool? Is the youth group cool? Is the women's ministry cool? Do they read the King James? Do they read the NIV? Does the preacher teach out of the word? Or does he tell stories? Do they put ferns on stage? They don't ask those questions. Is the band cool? They say, I have not experienced a worldview of love, and I'm broken, and I want to experience a worldview of love. Will this place offer that? And in the Acts church, they did offer that, and they believed it so much that every single group they had, whether it was worshiping in the temple or going to their small groups in their house, they just opened it up for anyone, and they went out and they recruited, and they said, I want you to come see how my group loves each other. That is good. But here's where it goes wrong, and here's where it goes wonky, and here's where it gets crazy, and here, here's where it even gets bad and dangerous. Church becomes like this. A big pile of master locks that are heavy. And this is my junk. And I carry it into, into my small group. I carry it into my community. I carry it into my church. And I do my best to learn to be honest. And over a five-year period, I learned to finally be honest about my junk. Step one. That's step one. Of like a thousand. Be honest and quit posing and faking. Step one. And when I finally get that, I take my junk and I set it down in front of everybody in my group who's cool like me. Who's cool like me. And I say, all right, let's pick apart my junk. I finally feel comfortable sharing with you guys. Let's get down, let's look at it. Oh, let's work on this, let's work on this, let's work on this. Anyone else wanna share their junk? Any other believers in the room wanna share their junk? We got six of us sitting around a table here eating some pizza. Yeah, thank you. Oh man, this was so good. I feel like I gotta share my junk with you. You gotta share your junk with me. And you know what? Man, I'm so thankful that we have a professional counselor in my small group, man, because they really helped me out. This is church. I'm experiencing community. And no one is being added to your numbers daily because we slam the doors closed. 
And we've said, I've done a lot of work, man, to create a safe place for me and my family and my friends. I've just done so much work to make it, to make it safe, and it feels so good. And I don't want to just share my junk with anybody. Like, this is a safe place for me to share my junk. If no one can watch the way that you love each other well, then no one will be added to your numbers daily. The church of North America is shrinking. Some churches are growing. Some churches are shrinking. Overall, we're shrinking because people just keep switching churches. They just keep switching churches. Bring in their pile of locks and junk. This is gonna be the place that helps me get better. And I don't care about the timeline of, of when you get better or how you get better or the process of healing. What community was designed for in the Bible, <laughs> the biblical definition of community, that according to my opinion, you can email me later, was to show the world how we love each other. Man, I have a good group and we're gonna do it together, but we're gonna go out and we're gonna recruit someone who's more messy than me. And they're gonna come into my group and they're gonna talk too much and I'm gonna get tired. And they're gonna smell and they're gonna eat all the brownies. And man, I just, I'm tired of hearing them talk all the time, but until we allow someone who doesn't understand the worldview of the kingdom of God to see it, there will be known people being added to our numbers daily. I was so thankful for Rob's vulnerability about sharing Christ. He said, sharing Christ is my, is my lowest, and as a church, sharing Christ is our lowest, and it's because we define sharing Christ as walking into mire and walking up to a random stranger and saying, do you know if you died today, if you would go to heaven or hell? Can I hand you this track? Can I take you through Romans in the checkout aisle? That's weird. That's awkward. Some people are really good at it. They're the same types of people who will sell you a vacuum cleaner and lead you to Christ at the same time. Some people are good at it. God didn't say, be good at walking up to random strangers and telling, you about, telling them about Jesus. If he wants you to do that, you will feel an overwhelming call by the Holy Spirit to do that, and you'll probably not be able to say no. And if you do, your stomach will be lit on fire for like the next couple minutes, and you'll know. But God designed this thing called community, the agape feast, communion, where people get together and they sell their possessions and they meet each other's needs and they do that really well and they counsel each other and they give good advice and they talk and they're vulnerable, but the door is open for anyone to come in and see how it works, anyone who doesn't understand that worldview. And like the parable says, the master sent his servant out into the streets and the gutters to compel those who couldn't even walk to put them on their shoulders and carry them into the group to say, hey, we're going to have a meal now. You're invited. And then they just get to watch it. They just get to watch it. When Jesus talks about 
not putting your light under a bowl. He's saying you have good stuff to offer. He's saying that when Christians get together (laughs) and they're not open and they're not recruiting others to come see how they love each other, they're putting their light under a bowl. That doesn't mean the light goes out. That doesn't mean it's not a bright light. That doesn't mean that you don't have spiritual gifts of healing and prophecy and administration, that you can't coach each other into better ways of life. All it means is that no one who, has, who, who doesn't share in that worldview is getting in to see it. So we got some really strong Christians existing under a bowl. I call it the Dead Sea philosophy. I went to the Dead Sea in Israel. It was awesome. You cannot sink in the Dead Sea. I tried. It is so rich in minerals and salt that you're just buoyant. You just float in it. It is the most rich in mineral sea in all of the world. You can fact check me on that. It is the most rich in mineral sea in all of the world. It has so many minerals that it would seem that life would be abundant in that place, but it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. Nothing can live in there. In fact, I couldn't even swim in it too long before I had to get out and literally take a shower. They had showers on the beach there to wash that stuff off of you. And if you actually drank some of it, it was so rich in minerals, you had to be taken to the emergency room. I touched my finger to my tongue and it burned my tongue. There were so many rich minerals in that sea. There are no tributaries going out. The Dead Sea, the most rich and mineral place that could offer so much to the world, is under a bowl. And the Church of North America is becoming that, under a bowl. No open doors, no going out into the streets and gutters and saying, hey, I want you to come to my house for a meal. If your small group is not experiencing new people coming to Christ, you might not have a biblical small group. I said might to let you off the hook so you can think about it. If your family isn't experiencing people coming to Jesus around you, you might not be embracing the gospel as a family. I have some friends who do foster care and they just got a brand new baby that was added to their number because they went out and recruited hurting. And now they're raising a child, hoping to adopt a child. I got a call the other day from a woman in this community. I should have asked her name and had her stand up and like hung her on the wall up here or something so you guys could cheer for her. She said, Rod, I feel the Lord calling me to be a small group 
or to start a small group, but it's going to be different. And I just smiled. I was like, what is it going to be? She said, I want you to send every hurting person that you can find to my small group, and God has called me to pray with them through their stuff. What? I want you to send every uncool person to my small group, people who are different than me. I want you to send them to me and my group, and I want to pray with them through their stuff. This is what I did. That, that exists? That exists? But Rod, there needs to be some time for me. I have to get filled up. If I don't get filled up, how can I go out? I don't read that in here. This is the Bible. I don't read that in this book. I read about dying to me time. I read about a man named Paul traveling to share the gospel all over the world for his entire life just to share the gospel, dying to every possible convenience that he could have, he could have desired. He left being part of the Roman citizenship idea to share the gospel. I, I, I read about people selling everything they have just so they can communicate a love that would compel someone else toward Jesus. It's not about selling your possessions and giving to the poor. It's not like, here, poor person, I gave you something. I fulfilled the gospel. It's about a community of people living in such a way that we exemplify the love of God to people outside of that worldview. We've opened the door to people outside of that worldview. We've recruited people outside of that worldview to come be a part of the community so they can see us do that stuff and they can say, huh, this is different. And then we can say, yes, it's God's kingdom and you're invited. That's what it's about. Community from its inception when Jesus changed how we look at life together was 100% intended to draw unbelievers to us through our recruiting them and demonstrating the supernatural way we love each other. Do not be the dead sea. The go opportunities on the values page that you will see are all designed to put you into places where you are expressing love, going and creating true community. If you look up there, it's kind of small, but it says go. They're all designed to put you into a place where you get to bring true community to a place where people really, truly need it so you can practice it so that then you can do it in your life and in your own house, places where you're giving of yourself. I could keep screaming about that for like the next hour, so I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna put the locks down with the hope that you understand what I'm talking about. It's okay to have junk, it's okay to talk to people about your junk, it's okay to get in groups of people that can help you heal from your junk. But if you're not inviting unbelieving people to watch that happen, they will never see how you love each other and they will not know that we are disciples by the way we love each other because they can't see it. 
It's not about going to Meijer and walking up to random strangers. It's about opening our doors and our homes and our lives and becoming recruiters for the kingdom of God. The next thing is no resources. We want to go in community. We want to do community correctly, but we also want to know what we're doing. Now, I have these suitcases on stage because they're kind of retro and hipster. I stole them from Dory's office. I thought she maybe would have hid money in them or something. She didn't, so. What you put into you is what you will become. That's very pithy. What you put into you is what you will become. What you put into yourself is what you will carry around and ultimately be who you become. So we have created no growth opportunities for you to fill up with life-changing truth. We have podcasts, we have Bible verses that hit the specific elements, we have all kinds of things, book recommendations for you to read, and here's the thing, you just can't become the Dead Sea with the resources. You can't just absorb and absorb and absorb and know all this stuff and then email me after I preach about how my theology on predestination was incorrect. You gotta take those resources and use them to in your community to open the door and bring people in. But there's a resource I want to recommend to you. Like, for instance, if you read Good News to the Poor by John Wesley and you embrace it and you get it inside of you, then you're going to start to probably feel and experience care for the poor. If you read How to Get Rich Quick because God wants you to have lots of money, then that will be inside of you and that may become you. But I want to recommend, here's what I want to recommend for those of you who need a resource right now. I wanna recommend one really good book that I, I appreciate in my life. Fraser always teases me that I don't read the whole book. And he's right. So read part of this book at least. I want to recommend a really good book to you. It's gonna help you grow in your faith and escape the fear of doing some of this stuff that I'm talking about in regard to community. It really helped me with anxiety. It really helped a lot of my friends who, who used this book, parts of it, it really helped them with anger, it helped them with self-control, it helped them with kind of just becoming who God made them to be. And if you're not a big reader and you just wanna dive into specific parts even, it's fine, because it's gonna help you on your faith journey. And I think every single person in this church should read it and not just like read it, but like dive into it and like listen to what the author's saying. It's called the Bible. Yeah. Clapping for me again, man. I was really wondering how that would go over. It's called the Bible. When you put God's word in you, Isaiah 55 promises that God's word will not go away empty. It will do something inside of you even if it's in Leviticus and you don't know what you're reading. It will do something inside of you. It will not go away empty. And it's hard, man. It's hard. It's really hard to wake up in the morning or in the middle of your day to even click a phone app and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some of God's word inside me. It's hard to do that. It's hard when I'm tired at night to go to bed and be like, I'm gonna just put some of God's word in me right now. 
One of the easiest things in the world to do, pick up a book that you have 20 of them in your house, all probably like you could just reach out and grab one. It's hard to read it. Do you know why it's hard to read it? Because it's supernatural. We have an enemy who doesn't want us getting God's word inside of us and carrying it around with us and practicing it. Because he knows that if we do that, we're going to start to think about community differently. We're going to start to think about our lives differently. And we're going to start to think about everything differently. I can imagine that for some of you, when you listen to me talk, especially this morning, you hear some things that sound kind of crazy and they sound kind of extreme. But seriously, God's word has been put in me to a place where I am unable to settle where I notice things when they're off in the world and I notice things when they're off in the church because they don't align with his word, they don't align with his kingdom, and I'm unable to settle for anything that's not like him and his desire, even if I'm not perfect at it. I'm just unable to settle. That's what God's word will do for you. Psalm 119, 105 says this, God's word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light to my path. We memorize that when we were little kids. God's word is a lamp unto my feet. You know the song? And a light to my path. Do you know what it means? It means you can't see without it. It means it's a lamp to your feet which you can't see your next step without it. And it's a light to your path which means you can't see anything in the foreseeable future without it, which means you're just wandering around like a blind person trying to lead blind people coming to church and trying to share truth, trying to do a small group and trying to share truth, but you don't have God's word in you, and so you're leading people to all kinds of different things, and because we don't have God's word in us, we end up saying things like this. Let's get a small group together, and let's just do life together. And we'd never say it, but what we mean is let's close the door on everything and let's hang out. Which brings me to our final growth opportunities, the fern. We need everyone in the church to own a fern. I call this grow. So it's go, community, no resources, grow, lifestyle, or spiritual disciplines. Because what happens is we hear God's word. And we must wrap our lifestyle around the words we are hearing. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing God's word. You guys heard this verse before? Faith comes from hearing God's word. I've chosen a lot of very simple verses this morning to explain some simple concepts because we have complicated them too much. Faith comes from hearing the word. We hear God's word and then faith is created inside of us. That means if you push play, and you listen to God's word, or you read it to yourself, or you hear someone else read it, or you hear a teaching on it that is in line with God's word, and all of a sudden, faith is created in you. When you engage it, faith comes from hearing God's word. And James 2.19 says, faith without deeds is dead. You're not dead. Your salvation's not dead. Grace isn't dead. Jesus is alive, believe it or not. It's not a fear of hell thing. It's your faith. 
When you hear something that is principally related to God's word and you don't do something with it, it's dead. Just like the Dead Sea, your faith can be rich in minerals, you can know about healing, you can know about prophecy, you can know about truth, you can give every single person in this building prophecy and healing and truth, but if you have not embraced the tributary of love, if you have not went out to your school and invited the uncool kid to be a part even though it might make Alive and Free a little uncomfortable, or if you have not went out to the stranger and said, come be a part of my group, be a part of my life, if you have not done that, then your very strong Christianity is full of spiritual gifts and full of love and full of truth and even full of joy and peace but your faith is dead. And the result of that is the outside world doesn't get to hear or see our faith in action because we've closed the door. The Church of North America has some of the best preachers, man, in the entire world that the world has ever seen today. And we love it, man. We love comparing them, talking to them. We love, like, calling them heretics. We love, we love it all. They're good. Preachers are good. But when we hear the word of God and we don't put it into practice, we're the Dead Sea. I'm speaking mainly about community your number one evangelistic sharing Christ tool. Open the door to your life. Go become a recruiter. We are talking about lifestyle changes now. We're talking about disciplines. We're talking about what we do with community, what we do with God's word, and how we wrap our lifestyle around these gifts from God. Because God's word is a seed and it lands on us and it explains community to us very clearly in Acts. And it explains what his word does very clearly and that seed falls on us. And if that seed can get deep down like in our heart and in our experience and in our practice, faith, faith with deeds is alive. Faith with practice grows. Faith with practice reproduces. And if it, can get, if it can get deep down in the soil away from the birds of the air that want to steal it just because we hear something good but don't do anything with it, if it can get deep down in there, then it's going to produce something that's so much bigger than one seed. Look at this fern. If you're listening, don't look at this fern. If you're just listening online, just imagine a fern. This fern is big, and it started with a small seed of a principle a principle of God's word that someone said, I'm gonna let it sink into my lifestyle. And once it's in my lifestyle now, it's gonna start to do some stuff. I'm gonna become a recruiter for God's kingdom. So this morning I've told you that God designed community to be a catalyst for rapid kingdom growth. If we would stop thinking community is for us and recognize it is for others, and that we're not babies who need fed. 
but rather we are servants who just like in Luke 14, 23, go out into the streets and the gutters and invite the lost to come and eat with us and observe the way that we love each other so they can go, wow, that's different. Paul talks about in Hebrews, or the lady who wrote Hebrews, one of those two. That was a joke. No one knows who wrote Hebrews. About the difference between milk and solid food. The difference between milk and solid food is one's for a baby and you need it fed to you, and one you go out and hunt and you get it. One you embrace it, you wrap your life around getting it. So don't feel bad because most of the Bible that when Paul starts writing his letters, he's like, you still need milk, you don't get it. You still need milk, you don't get it. You still need milk, you don't get it. You gotta become recruiters, you gotta open your life up because that's where spiritual growth is gonna happen for you and that's where numbers are gonna be added to, your, to you daily. And I've told you that God's word will change your life. I've said it, you heard it, you believe it. And I've, and I've said, if, if you don't practice it, you will be a strong and devout Christian filled with all of the goodness of God, all of the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't hold back and yet your faith will be dead. Some of you want to argue with me because I've made you feel uncomfortable and because you think I'm wrong. And you've been racking your brains for proof texts in the Bible that talk about communities getting together without inviting others to see them. I just want you to know that Israel was pre-Jesus. But I know what you and I really want, because I'm not there yet either, guys. I know what you and I really want is God to convict us so deeply that we actually change our lifestyle because we want to see people being added to our number daily. That's what we want. People to be added to our number daily. This is what it means to grow, to take things that we hear about community, to unconstipate our community, to open up ourselves to resources and to wrap our lifestyle around the things that God is showing us, no matter how different or weird they are. That's what it means to grow, to put them into practice. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to hear your word. I plead with you, Lord, that the promise that your word doesn't go away empty will be true this morning. We're not here to blame each other. We are here to exhort each other and encourage each other. And I know you have created the river as a beautiful place where people can belong and you have made it happen and you want us to take that to another level. And so I pray that you help us to do that in our own discipleship in our own growth opportunities, in, in our communities, in the way that we read your word, and in the way we wrap those things around our lifestyles. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.